to which we are willing to give Jesus access to what is deeply beneath the surface in our lives is a degree to which we will experience freedom in Him. It's easy to be growing in Bible knowledge and learning things about God, but not necessarily growing into becoming a more loving, humble, approachable, and teachable person. Welcome you back to the Cliff Temple Podcast. I'm Gannon Sims. I'm joined uh, by uh, Trevor Jameson, and we're continuing our journey through the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. Hard to believe we're on week seven already and just completed the final week at our church in our Wednesday night study. Um, but this is the second to last podcast I guess we've got here. Hard to believe. Of this uh Edition, and we'll we'll be back for more uh, because we want to uh, train and equip disciples as we go. Uh, at Cliff Temple, we're all about building everyday people into everyday missionaries for Jesus Christ. And the thing that we're hitting on in this course and the study is uh, developing our emotional capacity. Because you can't be spiritually mature unless you're emotionally mature. And so what we're going to be looking at uh, tonight and, and right now is this idea of growing in emotional maturity, which Scazzaro says it's really about learning to love well. And a lot of us know a lot of information. We know a lot of information about uh, the scriptures, about God. Uh, but sometimes we don't know how to grow in love. And so we've got to transfer our information that we store inside of our little brains to our heart. And so there's this head-heart connection, and I'd even argue a head-heart-hands connection, where we're learning to love Jesus, we're learning to relate to others in an emotionally mature way. This uh, chapter to me, in Pete Scazzaro's book feels a lot like brass tacks, really, as it comes towards the end. We've been talking about you know, dealing with your emotions. We've been talking about looking at your past. We've been talking about all of these things. And um, so it might strike you as kind of odd to think, why are we just now talking about maturity at the end of a book? Um, but to me, he is now ready to pull no punches, right, as we um, start to kind of peer into what really is maturity in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, and so what are some of the things that he kind of outlines for us? What does it mean? Um, to, what does it look like to be a mature person in Christ? Yeah, to be mature in Christ, you know, we want to be quick to listen and slow to speak. We want to be angry, but without sin. We want to guard our hearts. We want to speak the truth in love. We want to be people who can um, make peace which means not avoid conflict, um, not run away from it, not skirt it, uh, but really make peace, which requires uh, a lot of the things that we've discussed in the course already. But we've got to look back at our whole life to go forward. We've got to deal with uh, family dynamics, those sorts of things. Um, we want to we want to grieve well. We've we've talked a lot about the the fact that grief can really enlarge our souls. And we want to get rid of bitterness and rage and envy. And we want to do this relationally by walking alongside uh, one another, modeling, 
practicing, um, and, and really as we're together in the life of the church, we move from being uh, estranged to friends. We really are a new family in God. We're a new creation. We're a new order. That's how we're going to be known by the way that we love is the way that we interact with each other relationally. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm actually looking at this book on your desk, Wolf's book. It's a book called Exclusion and Embrace. And um, I actually picked for um, teachers to study this week a parallel text to go with the sermon you'll preach, which is um, Ephesians 2, right? that we've been reconciled by the blood of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ towards one another. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you know anything about Ephesians and anything about the early church, it really is... Um, really pretty radical to bring together the Jewish people with the Gentiles, a people who God had told you are the chosen race, essentially, right, mm-hmm. to carry and bear my mission to the world. And then all of a sudden, by the way, all these other people with their pagan practices, they're now brought in to Jesus Christ, right? right. <laughs> so we got to deal with all of that. We do. Um, so that exclusion, right, is now... he we have to learn how to embrace one another in our maturity. And um, that's a lot easier said than done, right? And for a few reasons. And um, one of the, one of my favorite illustrations he uses, and you know this, is the Martin Buber thing he uses in this chapter. Um, he t- borrows Buber, who was this, uh, 20th century Jewish philosopher, theologian, blah, blah, blah kind of guy. He's really smart. All right. Yes. And uh, <laughs> he comes up. He's really, um, he's an existentialist, okay? And that's a big word to just mean, like, he's trying to push philosophers to think about real life, right? Um, to not just be stuck in their, like, high little castle and their right. academic settings, studying right. philosophy and all these big words that a lot of people just really don't understand. And he wants to push us to say, look, the way of philosophy, the way of science, the way that a lot of us go about in the world is I, it. There's a hyphen in there, right? And what he's trying to say is that there's you and the way you interact with the world is everything's in it. The table's in it, my computer's in it. Uh, You know, you, Gannon, to me, could be in it, right? You're a facilitator in this conversation to produce a podcast so that we can put a check mark on doing our cliff temple thing this week just a utility yeah exactly right a means to an end and i'm not saying that's how it is right but it could be um but that's you know what what he's trying to say is everything could be in it um and and that isn't necessarily wrong per se um look all of us you know when you meet a friend when you meet someone new you have to look at them and you maybe put them in a box initially. It's how we go about life. We put everything in boxes. But he want, what he wants us to do is move to what he calls the I-thou relationship. He wants us to simply put, break people out of the box, break things out of the box and move to what he says is relationship, right? So you move from this I-it, this everything is experience, everything's about me, everything is self-focused to this uh philosophy, this idea that we operate in the world in a level of maturity where everyone is uh, is a thou, right? 
And uh, and you said this well again. And like when you think of thou, you think of God. Um, what do you what do you hear in this sort of like I thou relationship? What does that look like to you? It's an acknowledgement that the presence of God is all around us all the time with every person that we have an interaction with. And, and God, regardless of whether or not the person is conscious of the fact, God exists in them and for them too. And so, again, it's it's the, the other book over here uh, where it, it, it's Gregory Boyle, Father Greg Boyle, who, who talks about the fact that there's no us versus them. There's just us. And so if I'm recognizing that heaven is all around, that uh, God is, is all around, that God is present, God is deeply present in our relationships. And so we're approaching one another as persons, not as means to an end, not as utilities. And that means the person at the cash register, um, the, the person certainly that we are interacting with in the body of Christ, uh, the, 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 the person in our house that might not be doing their chores right now, whoever it is, mm-hmm. um, all, all uh, people created in the image of God. And then we were challenged, I think, a little bit in the study. Uh, there was some, some further questions of it, and we about like, well, shouldn't we be even more different in the body of Christ, in the church, than we are in just seeing thou and people everywhere. And and I argue, well, yes, uh, because if we are baptized uh, into the waters of baptism, in some respects, uh, water is thicker than blood of, of natural generation. Of course, then I, I recognize that we can only enter into the waters of baptism through the blood of Christ, um, which is its own a kind of beautiful rebirth um, uh but I feel like we we get to sort of branch out and create thicker relationships with with our with our brothers and sisters in the life of the church, and and then again, it's, that's how we are known. That's how we're known by the way that we love each other, which is why we've got to be kind of out on mission, not expecting everybody just to come in uh, the doors of the church to be like us to do what we say, but to be out and be seen, and then people go, "Wow, you know, you sure do." act different. You treat one another differently. I appreciate that about you. Tell me why. And hopefully we might have something to say about the fact that that, that Jesus is shaping us into this sort of mature, beautiful creation. It seems uh, like you're saying, though, <clears throat> the, there's like a aspect of recognition that has to be there. Um, like, we, sure, your brothers and sisters in Christ, um, but you you actually have to recognize that as well. You know that uh, that's what I hear you saying, and also recognize it. You said something at the beginning there that um, Richard Rohr is famous for his phrase panentheism, right? This sort of idea that God, you know, pantheism. Real quick, yep. you know, philosophy is that N.T. Wright says it too. Yeah, so God is in everything pantheism, but panentheism is different, right? Because we don't want to say God is the world, right? But that God is separate, but also involved in in everything in the world. I think that's what Buber is kind of saying here. This is what Schizero is getting. This is what you're getting at is this idea that when you recognize that God imbues everything around us, and especially the fact that um, the 
people to your left and right in the pews are your brothers and sisters more real in a very spiritual sense than your own brother and sister sitting next to you in the pew by blood, right? When that's, when you recognize that there, there's a profound maturity and thing that can happen there, right? Is that, that's kind of what I hear here. That's it. Yeah. So what is that maturity that, how do we live into that? Right. I think is the, yeah, I mean, and this is where it really gets down to the brass tacks. And, and Skazera has a whole other, a whole other, whole nother resource uh, related to emotional uh, health in our relationships. But a, a lot of this really gets down to how we treat others and particularly our, uh, the expectations that we have of others. Uh, because uh, unspoken expectations unconscious expectations, unrealistic expectations, unagreed upon expectations are often what we are dealing with in our life. If if someone is making you mad about something and you are expecting them to do something for you, but you have not actually articulated that, please do not expect that person to do that. Right. Um, no one can read my mind. I shouldn't expect them to read my mind. I need to clearly say. Uh, But what we do a lot is we sort of, oh, sorry. What I have done in my past is, because it's healthy to talk about from from your own personal perspective, what I've done in my past is I have just like thought, if I can just outmodel love or if I can outmodel service, well, people will see that and then they will just start doing it. Sometimes faith is caught. Sometimes it's caught, not taught. Uh, but if I want someone to do some things, um, I, I probably should have an agreed upon uh, way to to make that happen. And uh, it, was, it was funny after the study, we were all cleaning up our our uh, plates and cups around the tables, and uh, uh, Kay uh, leans over to me. She says, "See what I just did? I just made my expectations known that we needed to clean up our table." <laughs> I just said, there you go. It's the simple little things. But if we do yeah. a million little things with great love, this is a St. Teresa of Laveau. Uh, if, we, if, if we do uh, many little things with great love, it was just like, it's that faithfulness with little that then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be faithful with much. So It's interesting, though. Like The two easier ways to go, it seems to me, are um, either just exploding, right, yeah. when you don't mm. actually take the time to but like, lay out your expectations. But how harm does that cause? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's way worse after, right? I'm not saying long term. We made a joke. We, we were cleaning up the art room the other night, and uh, I asked one of our art leaders, I'm like, can I just throw all these glazes into a box because we meet, we need to move this massive shelf, right? Long story short. And uh, she looks at me and says, no, we need to put it in right. Um, and I said, yeah, but that's for my future self to deal with, right? <laughs> it's like we could just – it's so easier to do the easy thing and then just say my future self will deal with it. Um, so the exploding out or the, I feel like most Americans defaults and my default, (laughs) I'll just say again, me speaking in the eye is passive aggressiveness, right? And, uh, it's easy for me to think that I'm like, I'm communicating something by being passive aggressive and that can be really damaging, right? Um, for the reasons you were saying, and I'm even thinking about, um, in my marriage, the uh, first argument that became apparent and one that, man, it's just hard to get over is different expectations that have been built 
in between me and my wife on how to apologize, we're really good at dealing with problems. Really good. We're really good at getting on the same page about things. We're really good at laying out our expectations. But when it comes to apologizing, like, man, my parents, it was like drilled into you. Like you have to say what you're, what happened, what you did wrong, and then say I'm sorry. Like there's this whole method in my family growing up of apologizing. Some was good, some could be really harmful. I think. Um, and then, uh, and in my wife's family, it was you know you say you're sorry, you mean it, you're d- it's over with, and that just clashes all the time. And, uh, and so this is just real talk for me of like this, these expectations are, they can be challenging even when they're laid out, you know, but I think being mature is in some ways, not one person winning the other person to their side, but saying we have different ways of viewing the world. That's okay. We need to learn how to come together and forgive and love each other, you know? Um, and that's been a real growing thing for the past, you know, eight years of our marriage how do you lay out expectations and love each other through them? Right. Yep. I think it's a lot easier to assume. I lay out my expectations. You now know my expectations. You will do my expectations. Right. Yeah. But that's the second half. That's the second danger I see in this. And that's not treating them as a thou. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, we're kind of we're kind of back to that. But it but it's honoring the expectations that we, we each have, the the values that we have, the families we come from, the way that we solve problems. Talking about those things candidly, uh, but um, moving into a, a kind of a a way of being where we are again conscious and we're realistic and you know expectations are spoken. And so you know a, a lot of what. What we do, uh, Carrie and I, uh, just started asking ourselves the question. I mean, this is really the first year of our marriage. Um, I would, um, she would be withholding, and I could tell that she was withholding, and and so I would literally knock on her head, like, like knock, 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 knock. And then she would say, who is it? <laughs> and I would say, do I have permission to come in? And, you know, she would think about it and then maybe not always, but um, it just sort of became a playful way for us to sort of let each other into our uh, internal worlds, what we might be thinking about the other, what we might be thinking about a, a particular situation and, and creating a safe place and this is what we can do in relationships in a Christian community is create a safe place uh, to uh, disclose uh, whatever it is we need to disclose. And uh, you know, hopefully uh, a, a church and the, the families that make up uh, the church become a, a kind of um, new Eden, if you will, for... Uh, again, this this relationship and this new community that we have uh, through through Christ. Um, yeah, that's well said. You know, and um, I'm even just thinking about how this maturity, um, yeah, maturity is really recognizing that other people are icebergs too. You know, we start out with this imagery and emotionally healthy spirituality of everyone's an iceberg. Um, because whether we like it or not, God has made us not just 
simple animals. He's made us very complex and deep. And there are things that go unsaid and we do things we don't even recognize we're doing. And um, you said this well tonight, Gannon, was that, you know, it's hard to know what you look like even just physically. Yeah. Like you don't get to look at yourself in a mirror all day, every day. So nope. um, I liked your image of like, you don't know the awkward hand gestures you're doing or I'm doing. <laughs> I have some really... mean, awkward hand gestures. I tell you, <laughs> I, I know I do. I know I'm fidgety, but I can't see myself all the time. I can't see my awkward face. I'm yeah. apparently a very expressive person. Uh, they tell me, um, but I, you know, but if my facial expressions are off-putting, I need someone to tell me that because all I can see is just out of two holes in my head. So you know, help help the pastor out, will you? Yeah, right. Yeah, well, and and, and this applies too to our uh, underlying motivations and everything. So I think uh, we think we know everything we're doing, right? I think I know everything I'm doing all the time, uh, but there are some things I do, and people will name them. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, I do that? Or right. I said that? Or, you right. know, and, and we start to realize something. But the point I'm going on, the reason I'm belaboring this is because the same applies to another person sometimes, right? And I think I need to have, um, we all need to have patience with other people to recognize maybe they don't even know they're doing something. Maybe they don't even know they're saying something in a way that's harmful or whatever else. And, uh, and maturity is recognizing, and I think Scazzaro even says in his book, maturity is having patience, right? It's having patience with other people that we can, as you said, have this new Eden where it's just a, a safe space where we can learn about ourselves with other people, right? And kind of un- uncover these things over time. Yeah, we become fully individual in community, we can't really know who we are unless there are people around to help us know who we are, uh, to reveal our beauty. And that's the that's a wonderful thing about relationship and relationships in Christ in particular. So we get to we get to reveal the beauty of the Lord and all the people uh, that we know and love. And I, I it just makes that makes me glad. It gives me joy. Um, and joy is this contagious thing. It's what happens when somebody is glad to see me or when I'm glad to see somebody else and I light up and they light up. And isn't that sort of the capacity we want to build uh, here at Cliff Temple, but just in the kingdom of God in general is this this huge capacity for spiritual maturity, emotional maturity as um, people who are bringing joy uh we're not just we're not just heads on sticks we're fully enfleshed beings that's why we follow a fully enfleshed uh, lord and savior jesus christ so uh, this is the cliff temple podcast uh, stay tuned uh, for the next episode uh where we'll be talking about um the practices of the early church and uh what Scazzaro terms uh as developing a a rule of life.